Welcome to Movable Dough. This is Steve Danielson. Join me each week as we explore the minds of living composers. We talk about their lives, their musical journeys, and of course, their music. For a complete archive of episodes, as well as access to the shorter segments called Movable Snippets, visit my website, sdcompose.com slash movabledoe. Hey, this is Steve. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Movable Dough. My guest today is British composer Paul Honey. Paul has written music for British television for over 25 years with credits including the award-winning programs A House Through Time, the double BAFTA-winning Old Jack's Boat, and the BAFTA-nominated documentary Children of the Holocaust. He mainly composes for factual and natural history documentaries such as the BBC Two's Andrew Marr, My Brain and Me, and Discovery's Dogs, The Untold Story, but has also composed for dramas, including the BBC series Blandings. He is a prolific composer of production music, as well as orchestral music for concert performances, with his new work, Five Elements, recently being broadcast on UK's biggest classical radio station, BBC R3. Paul Honey, welcome to Movable Dough. Thank you, Steve. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. So I'd like to actually start by reaching way back into your early years. I read online that you started your musical career at the age of eight as a chorister at Westminster Abbey. So I'm curious, how did you get involved in that position? Um, well, I mean, my the, the musical journey probably starts a few years before that. So I, mean, okay. I, started, I started learning piano when I was about five years old. Uh, and I come from, I guess, quite a musical family. My 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 mum and dad were keen amateur amateur musicians they'd uh, they'd met during uh, doing amateur operatic productions in northwest london way back in the 50s so i guess i guess their their enthusiasm for music did did, did rub off on me um so i was yeah I was, I was learning piano loving music and just obsessed with it really i think that's the that's the only way i can i can describe it uh and then someone a, a friend of the family recommended that i be perhaps go for what they used to call a song trial um, at Westminster Abbey. So essentially an audition when I was eight years old. Um, I'd never sang in a choir before. I, I probably probably sang at school, but I'd never, I'd never done any, any church music or anything like that. So I had none of that discipline at all. Um, unlike probably other people who did go in for, <laughs> for, for doing a song trial at the choir. So uh, I, I, I went there with obviously with no expectations, but um, got, got the gig as it were. And uh, then went off to uh, to board at the at the the choir school when I was just eight years old, which is wow. um, so yeah, so a, a very 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 different childhood. Um, but I was so I mean the, the the whole appeal to me was that oh I can I can do music all day, sure. Uh, which and and obviously being having you know singing singing services during during the day even even song. And then during the weekends, uh, matins and, and Eucharist and whatever. So the, there, there was so much music going on. And, and on top of that, you were doing instrumental practice as well. And there was choir practice, uh, at least two, two choir, choir practices a day. Um, so, yeah, music, music was the actual, actual central part of your, your, your existence, really. And then obviously the academic studies had to be, had to be fitted around that. But um, yeah, so so I was there from from uh, yeah the age of eight until I was probably about thirteen, and they they chuck you out when your your voice starts getting lower, uh-huh. <laughs> and you can't you can't reach those top B flats anymore. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so it was it was. I don't think I would have sent my children there. I mean, I, the, the whole boarding thing is is it, it's interesting because the, the choir school is had just thirty six pupils. The school was just thirty six people in, in there wow. you are in central London, and to this day I think it is the only dedicated choir school that that just has pupils that that sing in the choir um other schools even like St Paul's Cathedral and other major cathedrals in in the country they are no longer um uh, just exclusively choir schools so um so it was yeah it was, it was quite a, a different existence shall I say <laughs> did you have time to listen to anything outside of the music you were doing at school or uh well um what like pop music yeah or uh, no, yeah, or... well, not really. No, and and they, it was it was really frowned upon as well. So I uh-huh. remember there used to be a thing on on. This is back in I'm showing my age. This is back in the seventies when I was when I was a kid, and, and there used to be this this chart rundown of of all the all the kind of like the, the top thirty or whatever uh, in, on Radio One, 
uh, at um, six o'clock in the evening on a Sunday night. And we uh -huh. were all kind of secretly listening to it on, on our little <laughs> radios with our headphones. But it just really wasn't, it, it just really wasn't a current at all. So we were, we were, we were definitely living in very much this, even though, as, as I said, you're, you're right in the middle of Westminster in, in the middle of London. You can't, you can't get any more central than that, but you were, you're kind of living in a, in a bit of a kind of like a bubble really, uh -huh. musically and unculturally or whatever. So, uh, um, so how, how about after you left Westminster? Were you? Oh yeah, I, I, I did. Yeah. So, so okay. I mean, after having 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 done that, and and you know, being fed, you know this diet of Purcell and Palestrina and Bird and Gibbons and uh, Britain and, and and whatever, which I mean is an amazing thing to be exposed to. That, Absolutely. Um, then when I left, it was kind of seventy seven, seventy eight. So. Um, Punk was all the rage, which I kind of wasn't wasn't too sure about at all. And I, I kind of got came into went into pop music and more commercial music, you know, rather a roundabout way. And I, I suddenly discovered jazz when I was about fourteen and fifteen. Okay, um, and I, I remember seeing on television there was a, a, a program with Oscar Peterson, and it was more than the music. It was just the the whole the whole feel of it. I think because these were people who were smiling and they were enjoying it. Um, and this, honestly, I, this was kind of like an, an alien thing because we were had to be very, very disciplined when when singing in the choir. I mean, you you know, you would sometimes even get sanctioned for um, uh, smiling during, oh, during wow. the, you know, yeah, really, really strict, you know, really strict. I mean, this is nearly fifty years ago. You've got right. to remember. So <laughs> I'm sure things are a little bit more liberalised now, but um, uh, it was yeah. So, so just that whole thing of of God, these guys are really, really enjoying it, you know. Um, but then the language, the, the pungency of the har harmonies kind of really appealed to me and, and just the, the, the joy of it. And, and so I kind of went more into classical music via, via the jazz route and sort of like loved Oscar Peterson and then, then you know, other pianists like Bill Evans and whoever, you know, big bands like Count Basie and Duke Ellington. And then went, you know, in, in later teens, I kind of discovered that, the, you know, weather report and things like that. And, and then, you know, the more electronic types of things as well. So, yeah, that, that, that's how I kind of came more into, you know, perhaps it started enjoying different types of music. Uh -huh. I, I think I think also it's, it's that whole thing of like you had to have some sort of validation musically about it sure. because, I, because of the, the way I've been, you know, what I'd experienced at, 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 uh, at choir school and, and that. You know, Peterson and, and these guys were complete and utter virtuosos. You know, they were they were actually and and to, to have like the Sex Pistols who really couldn't play their instruments, um, that was uh, no, I can't, I can't, I can't like that. They can't play. You know, whereas whereas boy, you know, Oscar Peterson can really can really play, can't he? So yeah. Um, so but yeah, so so the, the the whole kind of the way I discovered things that weren't sort of out and out just straight classical music, if you want to call it that, was 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 really through 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 uh, through jazz. Awesome. So speaking of having fun with music, I, so I understand your first path out of college was as a pianist and keyboard player. And yeah. I'm curious, what, what were you playing? Were you playing classical or were you playing rock, playing jazz? No, I'm not, I'm not, I've never really worked as a classical pianist or classical instrumentalist. So okay. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, I've, I have to confess, I've never had a career plan. Um, I've, just, <laughs> I've just kind of fell into things. Um, it's it's just the way it's worked out. I've, I've never been, I've got to do this and I want to achieve this and whatever. Um, and it's one of the beauties of the music business is, is that you, you kind of bump into people uh, and that just takes you on a completely different direction. So I, I, I you know, bumped into a, a few people and, and started playing with their bands. And, uh, and then one of those guys who I sort of had bumped into on something then got me into doing uh, West End, you know, dipping on, on West End shows, which... Uh, mm which got me to meet lots of other people as well who and then one one of the one of the keyboard players on a, on a West End show that I was I was sometimes filling in for the regular guy in um, he he, um, he was off on tour with a, a vocalist called Najma Akhtar, who was like a, a quite a well-known Asian vocalist and she had lots and lots of uh, WOMAD concerts on, on WOMAD festivals coming up and because he had he was working with another band at the time he couldn't do it so he just said look can I put your name forward for that? Um, and I said, yeah, sure. You know, so that just one <laughs> evening that I was in depping on that one show and the other keyboard player says, oh, um, I'll, can, I, can I recommend you to, to, to Najma? And then I started touring with her and, you know, ended up going to Japan and Australia and 
to North America, to, to Seattle and Vancouver and, and San Francisco and wherever, you know, all over the world and all over Europe as well. Every weekend we were off, off, off playing in Europe. Um, so it's, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just, that's one of the things I love about it. It's, it's, it's sometimes it's just kind of word of mouth, sometimes just being in the right place at the right time and, 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 and going from there. It's just uh, amazing how, where it takes you. So did you enjoy this experience of touring around the world? I did, yeah. I was I was a lot younger, uh, and um, so kind of the uh, the early airplane calls and the early lobby calls, I, I didn't mind at all. I, yeah, I loved it because we were having fun playing the music. It was a nice group of musicians. I got on very well with them. Najma was great to work with, and we just went to some amazing places. And and just that whole God, I'm here. You know, <laughs> I, I, I never thought I'd, I'd be in, in Tokyo or whatever. And yeah. It's, it's, amazing and just yeah it's it's wonderful loved it yeah really good fun so when did you start transferring from being a pianist or keyboard player into composition when did um, that happen yeah i mean once again it was never in the game plan mm-hmm. um I, I mean i had my own band and, and groups and things like that and i was i was doing a little bit of writing for, for that and, and and enjoying it um and then it was really just the encouragement of a few friends and colleagues who said, you know, I think I think your your future could be in in, in composing. And I thought, really, well, you sure about that? And it, but um, and yeah, it, I just once again, I just kind of fell into it and, and just did a little bit more. Uh, I mean, I I think I really wanted to to if if I wanted to to, to compose, I I wanted to sort of do stuff for for, for for film or television rather, you know, writing to picture rather than it, it kind of daunted me, and it still does actually having a, um, a kind of like a, a blank canvas as it were to uh, to, to work with I, I you know I, the, the thing about with, um, uh, with 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 picture or whatever is that you've got a, there's certain parameters that you've got you know that there's a mood that has got to be to, to, to be to be realized in in your music there's you know you've got perhaps two minutes in which you've got to say what you've got to say and and mm. so there, there are those more you know stricter parameters so um, and I always thought when I was younger, you know, bumped into a few TV and film composers, and I thought, God, they're like gods. These people, they're gods. These people, they, they're, they're amazing. Um, uh, and yeah, I just kind of, uh, once again, it was just bumping into people and and just just meeting a few people who sort of said, Oh, I've got a production music album. Can I put your name forward for that? Yeah, fine. Um, and I've got my my first TV gig came really from. I was in the queue in the canteen at Pinewood Studios. Oh wow! And 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 two places ahead of me was a friend of a friend who was a sound designer, and his company who was based at Pinewood. Were working on a production of an animation for for, for the BBC, um, which was an adaptation of a, an animation of a, a story by Spike Milligan, who I don't know whether you've heard of, um, who was um, sort of a very very well known British comedian, and wrote some wonderful children's books which were kind of like written by him and illustrated by him and what and, and they they were doing it like a children's animation uh which was going to be broadcast on christmas day that year um and this was kind of during the summer and they yeah two 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 places away on the on the uh, canteen queue and and he well we got chatting he said um uh we um, or the the company are, are doing the sound design for this 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 animation and uh, the production company have been trying a few composers and it's just not it's just not you know it's not it's not working do you fancy having a go and I said yeah okay yeah fine <laughs> and uh, so I was sent a I was sent a videotape in the days of videotapes um, <laughs> time-coded video and uh, then I I just um, uh, kind of did a did a uh, a, a few cues as it were they or from the from the you know from from the uh, video that they they'd sent me um, they didn't give me any pointers or anything like that. I just thought, well, I'll just I'll just do what I think will, will be right for the um, for, for, for the for the uh, for the film. Um, and then the, the head of production came round, and the, um, the, the sort of the, one of the production executives came round to my little studio and, and heard it and said, "Yep, got it." So just like that. Oh, that's fantastic. So it's just once again, it's just luck of the draw sometimes, and and just being in that queue at that right time, and uh, you know that's that's how it all started so uh, are there any any jobs in film or television that you can remember that were particularly memorable for you or maybe perhaps unique in some way uh m- m- memorable for for good reasons or bad reasons <laughs> either way either way i'm just interested um, in your stories 
Yeah, I mean, I've, no, I've, yeah, I'm not going to name names or, um, but yeah, I mean, they they are they're memorable because sometimes, yeah, I mean, the, the, a film. I'm doing a film at the moment, a, a sort of like a documentary feature, which is kind of British Film Institute BBC um, production, and it's and it's great. Director's really really nice. Um, I'm being given a bit of a free reign about the music. Um, there's been no kind of like heavy discussion about what the music should be sounding like or whatever. He's he's just let me get on with it um, and just write write the music, which I feel is is and and, and he trusts me. And those those mm-hmm. are the sort of productions that I I do really enjoy because they uh, that you know you you've, you're not on the back foot. Right. You're, you are you know you know that he kind of likes what you're doing and he's getting what you're doing. Um, and and that that kind of brings out the best in you, really. Um, so so productions like that are are um, are yeah they're, they're, they're the ones I really enjoy enjoy working on. And and sometimes they're they're the kind of like the smaller productions which don't have a huge budget. And and um, but but sometimes they're they're the ones that I do enjoy. And so we're, we're in three weeks' time. We're recording. Um, so I've got a very very chamber ensemble, ten ten, ten piece. Um, group of musicians are all stunning stunning players so it's going to be that's one of those things it's that you know they they will always be soloing but they won't be so you know they're all right. fantastic artists. uh so i'm really looking forward to that so so yeah those those are the sort of productions that i, I really enjoy um the ones that i don't enjoy so much is when the there's there's a kind of quite a complex strata as complex chain of command shall we say um with with this one it's just been me and the director and it's it's great so so those those are the those, those, those are those are the fun ones that when when there's a lot of people that you're kind of having to to keep happy so so you'd uh-huh. be working with a director and then there'd be like a producer and then there would be like the series producer which might be different from the actual producer and then there will be the independent production company execs who will have a have a kind of like a thoughts about the music and then that goes to the broadcaster and then there might be the, the execs in the UK for the broadcasters who will have an opinion and then there on top of that there might be execs in say the US oh, who yeah. have a you know um and I mean you, you just kind of get notes from these people and you don't know who they are you know <laughs> who, but it's just like someone over in New York or whatever um so those are those are the ones that yeah kind of can get a little bit stressful because that kind of stress filters down from the top down to kind of the people that you're immediately answerable to sure. and then you, they kind of project that stress that they're getting onto you. <laughs> right. so, um, uh, you know you need you've got, you've got to work through it. So it's um, th- those are the ones that um, kind of can get a little bit. You know, um, I mean, for instance, uh, it was a, it was actually a British British production. That was being made by an independent, and there was so many different opinions about even just like the opening title music, which is only seventeen seconds or, or whatever. And so we had so many different versions, and, and you know, one version got rejected and whatever. But when you've got like seven different people each having an opinion, and you you know, you've got four people who like it, and then three people who don't like it, and three people up the food chain who want it to be like this. So you do it like that. And then the four people who originally liked it don't like it anymore. <laughs> um, so it's yeah. Sometimes it's, it's a bit it's a bit of a juggle, you know. Yeah. But, um, we get there in the end. So. <laughs> so I was sort of I was interested in this. So besides television and film, you've also composed quite a bit for production music libraries. Yeah, yeah. So these libraries, for those that don't know, these are collections of music that advertisers or other production companies can purchase the rights to and use. So what is your purpose or what is your process? when you're writing something more abstract like this? Are you are you working within a theme or how do you start? Yeah, yeah, we work in a theme. So so I, I work for actually just one production company called Inspired Production Music, who is run by a guy who lives up in, um, well, my old hometown, actually, up in, up in the, uh, the, the north, northwest of London. And um, so, yeah, so we, we get together a concept. So we, we, we kind of think of, of as, you know, it could be a mood, it could be um, sort of a, a certain instrumentation, uh, usually a mood and usually an emotional type of thing. And then we just kind of go, we go from there. Um, so there might be kind of like dystopian drama or something mm-hmm. like that. So we will 
will write I will write uh, some some tracks on that and and Tim what he does is 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 a lot of the time he gives me a title you know so obviously the the, the way that these library titles work um, they they're kind of um, they're very very visual anyway so there's a little bit of a kind of like some something to visualize when when you're writing the music um, so that's you, you kind of just generally generally go from there. Um, and yeah, I mean, sometimes it's about a certain ensemble, like a few, uh, yeah, was it last year? Yeah, and towards the end of last year, I did I did a one a, 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 an album which was essentially just kind of piano and string quintet. So so that was had a, had a certain mood, and we had uh -huh. different, different sort of like different uh, of a different, certain sound, but we we had different moods in, in, within within that that the context of that that instrumental lineup. So, um, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoyed doing it because once again, Tim gives me a lot of free reign to do to do sure. what I do, which is great. So we've, we've got a good we've got a really good working relationship. Um, and um, it's the, the, the fun thing about it is that you never quite know where it's going to end up. Yeah. So because <laughs> it sounds like a lot of fun. Right. Yeah, it is. So, so you write the music and, and then it's kind of you just kind of forget about it and you just move on and, and go, on to another, <laughs> go to another project. And then you get your your royalty returns and then you see that it could have been used on a, uh, um, you know, some Sunday evening um, uh, show or it could have been used on a trailer or it could have been used on something some comedy drama thing over in Poland or, or whatever you just you just never never quite know where it's going to when it's going to end up and um it's yeah I mean it's it's I, I I enjoy doing it and it's a good sideline in ways one of the things about you know earning a living as 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 as, as a composer is it is it's an incredibly volatile business and and um it's 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 a bit like a pension doing doing um doing production music because because it's it's got a quite a long shelf life so so there are quite a few tunes that just keep on being used wherever wherever in the world and and they just you know do generate a little bit of income so sometimes if you know the, the commission side of things is perhaps a little bit of a little bit quiet um i can i can just go and work with tim and, and just write an album and um it's still but still you know just keep that that kind of that that royalty income generating which which obviously gives me you know supports me doing doing sometimes sure. the things that um, don't necessarily pay 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 the um pay the bills on the <laughs> all right i've got one more question before we take a break uh yeah, and this sure. is a this is a question i'm asking all my guests this season uh who is your favorite living composer that you think we should all go check out i i honestly i no, you know you've completely blindsided me with that, that <laughs> i tell you why is I'm, I'm, this is going to be a, a completely bizarre thing to say, probably, and but because I'm so busy doing it, I have so little time to listen to it. Mm -hmm. Do you know, um, it's it, yeah, I, it's and then and then when I am listening to to, to, to music, sometimes it, it is listening because just for a little bit of inspiration or something like that, you know. Right. Um, so. Living composer? No, I sorry, I'm completely um no, I I, I can't. Well, how about that. a past composer? Someone that inspired oh, you. So, so so I mean I will always turn to Bach. I will always turn to Bach, you know. I mean I, it would if, if if I don't know whether you have a thing called Desert Island Discs over in over in the over in the US, but uh, it's a it's a program that's been going on for probably about 50, 60 years on the BBC and where uh -huh. Well-known sort of personalities, celebrities, actors, musicians, whatever, select their their. I think it's twelve favorite discs of all time. Um, when they used to be discs, obviously not anymore. <laughs> but but uh, uh, um, Desert Island MP3s these days. But uh, uh, but but yeah. I mean, if if I if yeah, what what, what I would take to me the, the whole premise of the show is that, that you take something to you know some music to your desert island where you're where you're stranded, you know, to keep you company. So. Yeah, I would probably. It's interesting. Yeah, I probably. Yeah, probably Barker would be the, the one that I would because I still feel that there's so much I've got to learn from that, and I will probably mm -hmm. get everything that I will ever need musically from from Bach. You know, um, so it's yeah, living composer. I shall I shall email you afterwards. And go, oh, of course. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. All right. Well, after we take a quick break, we will listen to some of Paul's compositions. Welcome back. I'm talking today with Paul Honey. Our first piece today is Jesus from your 2001 film, Two Days, Nine Lives, which follows the journey of a man in a rehabilitation center, six fellow patients, and their counselors during a 48-hour period. 
So how does this particular piece fit into the movie? Um, it was actually the final, gosh, I can't really try to remember the movie because it's uh, um, uh, production from quite a while ago. I think it was the very, very last cue of mm. um, the, the, the the film before before the end credits. And it was just like this soliloquy by uh, this this guy who was talking about his, basically his, his experience as an addict. Um, the, the reason why it's called Jesus, there's not really any religious connotation or context about the piece. It was just that the guy looked a lot like Jesus. So oh. all the other all the other inmates <laughs> in this in this rehabilitation center called him Jesus. The, oh gotcha. <laughs> so um so yeah, it's um yeah, so when when was it? About 2001, I think the film was. Um yeah. so yeah, it's like a, an, an independent feature. In interesting way, I, I once again. Uh, talking about how you kind of fall into these gigs, uh, this this um, this this uh, job came came about by the, um, the 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 production that the director had. Uh, I think the, the the composer beforehand it hadn't worked out, and so they urgently urgently needed um, another composer to 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 get on board. So uh, um, I was uh, I was approached and uh, started started working on on, on the production. Um, and what I remember about actually the, the reason why I chose this piece as well is is just that, I mean I don't know whether we would would talk about sort of the, uh, co composing process and, and methods and things like that, but the 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 um, the, 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 the whole the, the, this piece is really an illustration of of how sometimes you have absolutely no time to to actually think about what you're doing, and and then it's that whole thing of like trusting your instinct. Um, which I kind of perhaps didn't learn then, but I've I've kind of learned much much more now. Is that really just just kind of go with your gut sometimes? And if if you're having to look for things when when you're working as a composer, then perhaps it's not you know the, put 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 your pencil and paper down or put your computer down or whatever. Go walk away from it, have a cup of tea, go for a walk or whatever. Um, but but sometimes just. Just go with your gut instinct. I, I mean, I think if I remember rightly, because the, the, the time pressures were so much on this piece, was that I, it probably only took me about half an hour to actually write it. Mm. Um, so it was it was that, but it was just kind of just came out, and then I kind of listened through to it and thought, actually, no, that's yeah, that's okay, that will do. Um, it's it's um, it, it, it's it does what it's supposed to do under, underneath the um, underneath the, the what was going on on, on the screen. Um, so you get a, a copy of the the film and say music cues go here and then you yeah exactly so so okay. I mean the way the way that, that that films work is that well not so much now because it's the, you know, the, the way that the you know, time time has become more compressed but then in 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 those days basically you would get the, a, a video of of the of the film and it the picture would be what they call locked so basically they finished editing so everything had been timed the way it was supposed right. to be. And then you would work with the director and sort of say, I think the music should start here and it should come out there. And that's that's the way. So that, that's basically called spotting. That's the, the, okay. the So this is one of those parts when that we sort of said, I think, okay, when he starts talking here, we need to to um uh to to bring in the music. And then when he sort of says this line or whatever, we kind of and, and when it changed to this shot, then we we end the music. Uh -huh. So I think how long's the piece is about two and a half minutes. So that's really how long I had to work with. So I couldn't I couldn't make it any longer or any shorter if I wanted right. to. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we are going to listen here to Jesus from Two Days and Nine Lives.
So our next piece today is The Wild Geese. This is for solo, violin, and orchestra. Uh, so this comes from an album called Toss the Feathers that you made in collaboration with Irish violinist Dermot Crahan. Did I say his name correctly? Dermot Crahan, yeah. Crahan, Crahan. Crahan, yeah. Uh, so were these new compositions in an Irish folk style or are they arrangement of existing Irish folk songs? Uh, on the on Toss the Feathers album, there are a couple of originals that Dermot and I wrote together, but for the most part, these are arrangements of traditional Irish tunes. Um, so when we when we started working on this, we we wanted to do something which was orchestral arrangements of of, of, of Irish music, but we wanted to be as true uh, as possible to the actual originals, mm -hmm. um, and so. The way that I started working on, on arrangements was that I got Dermot around to my studio and really just got him to play freely these these tunes exactly as he would by you know if, if he was in the pub uh, and and then work the arrangements right round round that so there was really no kind of adjustment for I worked the orchestra arrangement round what he was doing rather rather than the other way around. Uh -huh. Um, so, Dermot, uh, I mean, he's a, he's a wonderful Irish fiddle player. He's, he's kind of a bit of a unique person, actually, because um, you will have heard him, actually, because uh, he, if you've seen all the Lord of the Rings films, uh, he was the the, um, the the solo fiddle player on all gotcha. the, um, the, the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, and he um, he's done lots and lots of Hollywood films, but he, he was also... In a, in a previous life, he was also the principal second violinist with the London Philharmonic Orchestra as well. So he straddles the the, the classical world and the nice and the, and the you know he's also a champion Irish fiddle player. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so it's, it was a lot of fun because you know trying trying to create as I said, really trying to do do justice to the, the, the tunes. Which I mean, I mean the world piece when, when you hear it. I mean it, it is it's a profoundly beautiful tune. It really is, um, and so yeah, so so. German would come come around. He he he. Um, he did, we'd record the the tune as as it was, and then he'd tell me a little bit about the story of. You know, there's always a bit of a story behind. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, and and the wild geese were these um, Irish soldiers who uh, then went off to fight the the English. I think that they they went into the the, the French army and and other European armies to fight to fight against the to fight to fight against the British. So uh, the way that I kind of shape the arrangement on this was almost a little bit like a uh kind of like a you know, a farewell to a, to a soldier leaving leaving your mm. home and um you know trying to imagine what how what how that would feel and whether you'd ever see see your 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 husband or your your father again or whatever so uh, um so yeah so, so but you know there's some some amazing stories behind a lot of a lot of these tunes really so fantastic well I did not know that when I was listening before, but I'm excited to listen again. Okay. So here is The Wild Geese, uh, performed here by Dermot Crayon uh, on violin, and the RTE Concert Orchestra with, now pr help me with pronunciation, is it Geroid Grand? Geroid Grand. This Geroid. is the thing about, uh, this is the thing about like Celtic Celtic names, is that the way that they are spelled, <laughs> spelled, <laughs> it's often sounds nothing like it, like the way that they're spelled. So, uh, All right, so uh, yeah, that's Geroid, Geroid. Gerard Grand conducting. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so here we go. The Wild Geese.
All right, our third piece today is Leatherback. And this is from Five Elements that we referenced earlier. Uh, This is set for mixed chorus and solo cello. And its text is a collection of poems from Gregory Warren Wilson. So in addition to being an award-winning poet, Warren Wilson is also known for his glasswork and sculptures. I'm I'm wondering if this figured into your composition as you were working with this. Not so much, no, because um, when I started working on this uh, a few years ago, I mean, I know Greg also as, as a very, very good violinist. That's oh. how I originally met him. Um, okay. he, was, he was working in an orchestra. Actually, probably when we were, um, we, we premiered the, 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 the Toss the Feathers music um, when um, at, at the Church of St. Martin in the Fields in central London a, a few years ago. And I think Greg was actually playing violin in the orchestra at that time. And my wife had worked with him on a few, on a few projects beforehand. So I, I, I knew him initially as, 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 a, as a violinist, but also as a published poet. And, and you know, the, the discovery about his, his, his work as a visual artist actually came, came a little bit later. Um, so so really my relationship with him was, was really just as, 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 as a fellow musician and also as a, as, a, as, a wonderful, as a wonderful poet. He's quite multifaceted. Oh, he, oh yes, he's, he's <laughs> clever, clever so-and-so. <laughs> So what are the five elements? Five elements are obviously earth, fire, air, and water. And like uh, Gregory t- uh, decided to add a, a, a fifth element, which is time. So the, 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 the verse that he, he wrote for these, um, uh, for these pieces uh, are based on haiku, Jap- Japanese haiku. Now, mm. this is a very, very strict structure of, of, of verse, which you might know of, which has f- the first line has five verses, the second line, sorry, five syllables. Syllables, yeah. And the, the, the middle line has seven, and then the final line has uh, five. So it's right. really just three lines of verse. Um, so uh, so he wrote these these wonderfully visual um, visual verses, which once again appealed to me because it's you know, something something visual about what 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 he uh, what he created, um, and really the, all the, the 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 five verses are kind of like meditations on the fragility and the beauty of of nature, and the fact is that uh, humankind seems to be hell bent on uh, screwing things up. <laughs> um, but but you know it can be we we you know in ways we can turn this round. So it's it's, it's there's there's a the the, fir- the first verse is 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 very much a kind of a, has a lot of desolation to it as a, about you know kind of rivers being poisoned and whatever. That the, the second one is about how uh, nature is is influenced by by humankind and the, you know how 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 urgent it is. Um, soft-shelled turtles scuttling for the distant sea is the, is the second verse which you'll hear. So all about the, the urgency of nature to, to you know, to, you know to, we how, how we do have to project to protect the natural world as well. Um, so yeah, I mean there's some they're, they're, they're lovely verses. So it was it was kind of real real joy to to, to write write the music for this. Um, the, the, it was originally commissioned for a, for a, for a solo violin and choir, which so, so it's it, the the the, the five pieces the five elements has had a bit of a um a, a bit of a tough childhood as it were because um i originally started writing this as a, as a as a piece for violin and choir and i presented the um the violinist in question the first movement and the third movement the middle movement and um it wasn't for her sadly so mm. um i kind of put it on the shelf for a little bit and then actually i thought well hold on a minute Greg's written these these five wonderful verses. I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to this and and and, and write you know finish writing it. So I finished I finished the five movements and then um, I kind of put it on the shelf because I got busy with other things. Didn't really think about it. And um, then a few few years ago, Justin Pearson, who is the cellist that you'll hear on this recording, uh, said um, we, we we were working. He, he does we work together a lot, and um, he's he's a he's an old friend who's been incredibly supportive of my career over the years, and, and uh, uh, very very encouraging. And um, he he said um, that's we were doing a recording session, and we were in the pub afterwards having a having a beer and uh, chatting away. And he sort of said, you know, we ought to you ought to do something with that piece. And I thought, yeah, I know. He sort of said, tell you what, rewrite it for cello, cello <laughs> and choir. I said, yeah, okay. Now that'll be interesting. And so I, then I said, okay, well, and we're going to record it. And he said, yeah, okay, let, let's do that. Uh, so we, I th- the thing is with a violin, 
I suppose the texture is that you've got the choir, you've got the choir and then the violin on top of that is, um, you know, the, the, the violin kind of like sits on top of the choral texture, whereas with the cello, it can be underneath it, it could be on top of it, it could be in the middle, right? Um, because of the register. So, so that was that was a kind of like a new change. Um, so I, I kind of rewrote it, uh, you know, did, did some tweaks and whatever. Um, and it's interesting after after a couple of years, just like having not thought about the piece, going back to it and, and then sort of viewing it with with the with, with different different ears and different yeah. eyes. Um, and so I, I rewrote it and then I thought, right, OK, let's record this. And so at the beginning of 2020, we were um, sorting out a venue to record it. And we were talking to Jonathan Darbon, who is the director of the choir. Um, we were aiming for April 2020 to uh, to go into uh, to a wonderful church in London and record it. And obviously you remember what happened then. Uh, so that obviously got put on hold and then... Um, we came out of lockdown and uh, things got a little bit safer and a little bit uh, more secure, as it were, that we we kind of um, then rebooked um, the, the church and, and the choir to uh, to record for us um, in March this year. All right. And it was wonderful. It was wonderful because it was like coming home for me because I yeah. I haven't really been involved in choir really in choirs really since um, you know I left I left Westminster Abbey in. Wow. 1977 you know and and just to, to come back to that discipline and to be in to be to be in, in the church with these absolutely wonderful singers and it, yeah it was like coming home it was absolutely wonderful all right um, well let's listen to leatherback from the five elements uh this is performed by the locrian singers uh justin pearson on cello and jonathan darborn conducting Thank you. 
All right, our final piece today, Summer, Autumn, Winter from Amsterdam Lockdown, commissioned by the Delta Saxophone Quartet. Uh, so I understand this was commissioned near the beginning of the pandemic. What did they want from you in this commission? Uh, this is, um, I've, I'm, I've known uh, the, the, the founder member, Chris, Chris Caldwell of, of, you know, of the Delta Sax Quartet for, for quite a while. And we've been talking for, for, for quite a few years. Of it. He said, you must write something for me. You must write something for me. I said, yeah, great. You know, and then you get busy doing other things. And uh, um, then obviously lockdown happens and, and it's like, okay, what do we do now? And uh, um, so this this is part of a a Arts Council England uh, commission. Uh, There was a a project that the Delta Sax Quartet were involved in called Project Flicks, which is essentially concert pieces written for to be performed alongside picture. Um, so once again, this this kind of like got me in, interested that I you know do, doing something like this. What I didn't realize was that I had to find my own pictures. Oh. Uh, I, I thought they were going to provide me some some film and I can write some music to it and it would be performed live and yeah that would be you know be all nice and easy. But uh, uh, no, I had to I had to find my own film. So so lockdown started and um, I was thinking, well, what, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Um, my eldest son lives in Amsterdam. So I thought, well, okay, now like, why, why not get him involved? And I'd seen on Facebook, I'd seen some amazing pictures, some still pictures of London, all the iconic um, buildings and, and areas of London at the early part of lockdown. We had an amazing spring here, 2020, April 2020. The weather was absolutely gorgeous, not a cloud in the sky. And these beautiful, beautiful pictures of Covent Garden and the Houses of Parliament or whatever, but the life had been sucked out of the city there was just no one to be seen right and so I thought well my son is living in Amsterdam uh I wonder because they were obviously under under lockdown there as well I wonder if I could get him to because he was working the in in the service industry at the time when he's out and about on his bike perhaps I can get him to film on his mobile phone some some footage of 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 the um of of, 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 the, of the city so he did that and we we edited together so we kind of like worked out how to, to edit edit a bit of film so i wrote an initial piece amsterdam lockdown <clears throat> for for the, the early part of the of the lockdown summer autumn winter the second piece um, is really just f- written from from video footage that alex took last year at um from well summer autumn and winter uh from so from everybody chilling out in vondel park uh, to the, the leaves turning on the trees, to going into full lockdown when Omicron started taking hold in in, in Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's uh, yeah, so it's more of a contemplative type of piece. The the, the, the first piece was really all about. I, I initially thought it was going to be a piece all about capturing the eerie eerie emptiness of the streets, but then it became much more of an sort of an, an emotional response to not just like the lockdown but the fact is that I'm of an age that I could I could get very very ill from this and and one of my family members got very very ill from 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 mm. covid at the beginning and nearly died um and the whole thing about separation from your family and there's there's Amsterdam there's Alex in Amsterdam with his wife and and we're over here and we can't be with them and we can't right. support them and you know so so the, the 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 piece became a lot more than just just something catching the eeriness you know um, so it's, it's all on YouTube. If you look on the, um, Delta sex, saxophone quartets, uh, YouTube channel, the, um, yeah, the, I watched it. I didn't realize yeah, that you had yeah. put it together. So yeah. Yeah. So, so, so learned how to edit films. And, you know, <laughs> uh, um, I, I wish Alex had actually cleaned the lens on the camera of his mobile phone. That's how he went out, but, uh, it's, but yeah, it was, it was, it was really good fun because I, I, you know, written for saxes quite a lot in, in, in other things, but actually to write for a quartet was, 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 was really interesting as well. And they're all absolutely wonderful players. Um, so it was, yeah, yes, it's, um, it's a nice, nice piece to work on. All right. Well, we are going to listen to Summer, Autumn, Winter performed here by the Delta Saxophone Quartet.
All right, well, Paul, what are you working on now that you can tell us about? Um, at the moment, I'm working on this film that I mentioned um, at the beginning when we were started chatting, uh, which is, a, I, I'm not too sure whether I can talk about it at the moment because it hasn't been announced yet, but uh -huh. it's, it's, a, it's a BBC um, British Film Institute co-production. Um, and I shall be recording in three weeks time, which I'm greatly looking forward to. But um, it's, uh, yeah, so just watch, watch this space. I, I don't think, I, I'm, I, I'm not too sure whether there haven't been any announcements okay. about it so far, so I, I can't really talk about it. But uh, So I'm working on that. I'm working on a returning series for the BBC and a documentary series for um, another channel over in the UK called Channel 4. Um, on the more serious stuff, once once that's all calmed down, which hopefully will be sort of towards the end of September, I want to spend some time. Greg has been sending me some wonderful poems and verses, um, which I really want to get my teeth stuck into, actually, and um, want to do some just some simple piano and and and, and voice uh, compositions. So awesome. Uh, um, so, so yeah, so Greg's been been sending me, um, I've got three poems here I can I can see on my desk, which are waiting to be, uh, to, to be, uh, have music set. <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah, so I, I really want to uh, crack on with those as, uh, as soon as I can. But sure. uh, in the meantime, yeah, nice, nice and busy, lots, lots to do. So and, if uh, my listeners want to learn more about you and your music, where are you located online that they can find you? Uh, I have my own website, um, paulhoney.net. Um, which is uh, that it, you know we'll have links to uh, SoundCloud and to uh, Vimeo for, for for clips you can you can listen to there. Um, Toss the feathers uh, is is available still on uh, various platforms like Spotify, along with a few other uh, um, original soundtracks um, albums, uh, such as the Atom, the Love Affair. Um, what else? And yeah, I'm, I'm on Twitter at um, at Paul Honey Music, so you can you can follow me on on that as well. So uh, um, so yeah, nice to see you on there as well. Sounds great. All right. Well, hey, listeners out there, make sure that you join our Movable Dough conversation by following us on social media. You can find us on Instagram at Movable Dough Podcast, Twitter at Movable Dough, or join us on Facebook at the Movable Dough Listeners Group. Let me know about your favorite episode or leave a fun music meme to make us all smile. Well, Paul, honey, it has been a wonderful time getting to know you and your music. Thank you for joining me today on Movable Dough. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Nice, nice to meet you. It's been, it's been lovely to chat. My guest today was composer Paul Honey. If you have a recommendation for a future guest or an idea for the show, please email me at movabledough at gmail.com. This is Steve Danielson. Keep the music moving.